Welcome back to Lindroth Hockey Podcast. This is episode four. I'm here with uh, co-hosts and father and son duo, Andrew and James Lindroth. Dad, how you doing? Good, Andrew. How are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. So we don't have a ton to talk about today. The, the news around the league is really slow as it should be. And with the election this week, of course, nobody's focus is on the NHL. But one big news thing going around for the hockey world, at least, and it's relevant to the NHL, is the Ontario Hockey League, the OHL recently, um, announcing that they will be banning body checking this upcoming season and is said to, um, the reason for that is to contain the spread of coronavirus. Um, Dad, just go first, I guess. I, you know, I got a lot to say about this, so. Well, this came up with uh, the Ontario and for, I don't know if you're familiar with Canada, but basically, they have provinces, kind of like states in the United States, and Ontario is uh, where Toronto's at, is in, is in the province of Ontario. And so anyway, the uh, one of the PMs of their government came out and said, hey, because of the coronavirus, you know, the OHL, they put pressure on them, I guess, and the OHL decided that they're not going to have this body checking rule, no contact rule. And they say it's due to the COVID outbreak in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League because they've been playing all along, but they have had to postpone and reschedule some games due to some outbreaks with the virus. So they're saying that's why they're doing that. Now, how ridiculous is it on a hockey level? It's I think it's completely ridiculous. How are you going to play hockey without coming into contact with somebody? Well, let's start. Let's start with this point first. Is body checking going to transmit the virus easier than you sitting directly across from that person, talking, being less than six feet, being in the same dressing room? Well, right. right. It, it, so if you're if you're uh, screening the goalie in front of the net, what is a defenseman supposed to do? Like not touch you? If he pushes him too hard, is that considered hitting? Yeah, it's just uh, you know a weak. I think a weak way of. Canada trying to regulate hockey here by going overboard. I mean, it, how are you not going to come into contact with somebody? It's it's just impossible. Um, Dallas Stars first rounder from 2019, last name Harley. I don't know his first name, but he had made a comment on it and was pretty much like, you know, we've been hitting our whole lives in these hockey leagues. And I honestly, I don't know how I'm going to be able to play without hitting to the point where he said, I may not play because I won't even know how to play. And he's a defenseman. So, right. I mean, these guys have been playing for a long time, their whole lives. And it's almost like a dog where, you know, they hear a a whistle and, you know, they could do a command, you know, because they're trained to do commands on a whistle or whatever. It's the same thing. It's like they're going to want to body check. I mean, they can't. It's just a natural instinct at this point. Well, and then, and then, what are you going to do? What's going to be considered body contact first off? And then, what's the penalty going to be? And how long are these games going to be? Because if you, you know, if a guy just cross checks somebody in the small of the back to try to get him, you know, to clear the front of the net, is that a, is that body contact? So every time somebody touches somebody, they're going to be called for a wrestle. Yeah, and, and you know they say body checking, but what happens if you're in the corners and you're just trying to dig the puck out and right. you're trying to get possession? You guys are kind of crammed into each other, even if you're not being aggressive. It just doesn't make sense. And for them to say it's because of you know taking coronavirus precautions, to me, 
is is bullshit. You know, I, I I disagree with that. You know, what does Michelle think? Michelle is my stepmother, by the way, who is a physician. So she's on top of the coronavirus thing. Has she said anything about this? Not particularly about this OHL thing. She's been preoccupied with other things, but obviously she's very concerned about the virus because she's had friends and colleagues and patients that have you know been real sick and have died too because directly of COVID related symptoms of getting this thing and deteriorating. So I don't know what she would say about this. I guess I'll have to ask her tonight. We've been, you know, preoccupied with, with other things, the election, you know, jobs, life. So the OHL has not come up. Yeah, that's, that's a fair point. Well, I I was, I was thinking about the other day and, you know, I just don't understand how that's going to prevent anything. And, you know, these kids aren't going to be ready. Like, let's say this is gonna um, be a thing now, no hitting in the league. And, you know, John Scott had posted a, a video on Twitter, and I know a lot of people don't like it for some of the verbiage he used, um, but this could be a ripple effect throughout all the other leagues stemming all the way up to the NHL where they're going to go through a season like this with no body checking if the teams play, and they will be able to say, look, no concussions, no injuries. It all declines. So guess what? Just take out body checking and you can take out these concussions. Well, everybody knows that Batman has been trying to, you know, get rid of hockey fighting for years now and trying to make it more of a, I guess, family friendly, uh, you know, since this is a mostly a Bruins podcast. I mean, I remember going to the, to the garden uh, back in the day and there wasn't many kids there. It wasn't a thing you brought your kids to. There was shit being thrown on the ice Everybody's, you know, swearing, cussing at everybody. Uh, you know, everybody's drunk and getting in fights. I mean, it wasn't a family event, shall we say. Um, but now, you know, it's you got to take your, you know, seven-year-old kid to the game and have hot dogs and popcorn and, you know, bring mom and the sisters and the aunts and the uncles. And, you know, it just, I don't, it wasn't that way back in the day. So it is starting to, I could see from a marketing standpoint, the NHL wants to make this more family friendly, but it's just not going to happen. You're not going to eliminate fighting. You're not going to eliminate the aggressiveness of, of hockey. I think coaches are trying to go less and less um, of telling their players, you know, to get out there and fight or to stick up for your own. I think they're more worried about winning games now. And I think that's has a lot to do with uh, um, maybe less penalty minutes and fighting over the, last 10 years or so I you know we should look up that stat actually for another podcast and see exactly you know has the NHL had less fighting or more fighting in the last 10 years that would be a good thing to look up but anyway even talking to uh, the Tulsa Oiler coach uh, Rob Murray who was an instigator in his own time you know he played with uh, Washington Capitals and he was uh, in uh, Springfield with their AHL for a long time and I talked to him a little bit last year and, and he had talked about, you know, if any of my players, you know, get too aggressive and I tell them not to fight and they fight, you know, he's got a problem with that. You know, he wants to win. It's not just about, you know, fighting. But anyway, we're starting to digress. But do you know Ontario's premier, Doug Ford? Have you ever heard of the Ford family? Mm, no, I guess so, not. So, you know, Doug Ford is kind of like Toronto's, Donald Trump. Outspoken, you know, just kind of, I don't give a shit, going to tell it the way that it is. 
And he is now working on, you know, trying to save the OHL and trying to reverse this somehow, some way. And, you know, he's kind of made himself, I'm going to be the hero that'll get the body checking back into the OHL. So if you really should look up some of Doug Ford's stuff, because uh, he's really can be a, a crazy guy. And I think it, maybe it was his brother that was uh, uh, a politician too. And he, and he was just as crazy, or maybe it's the same guy. I can't remember. So do you think that um, players are going to be opting out of the OHL? Cause I see a bunch of those talents just getting up and leaving. Why would you want to play in a league that doesn't hit? That's that's shit. So what, you know, these kids are going to get to the AHL, the ECHL with these grown men who got, ships on their shoulders that aren't just 20 year olds, 21 year olds or 28 year olds. McKee, Mike McKee, 6'4", 225 on Tulsa Oilers. I mean, he'd kill somebody. I mean, they're going to do what, you know, they have to do to, to get ahead. And I, you know, this is a temporary thing. It's not going to last forever. So you don't think that this is going to have some sort of ripple effect? I don't, don't I don't, I, I don't, I don't think so, but who knows? I mean, the problem is, is, you know, the players will just want to play. And, but no one's going to listen to the players. You know what I mean? It's, it's others that are making decisions for the players. It's, it's, it's frustrating for the players, I'm, I'm sure, but it's just, that's just the way that it is. And, you know, I, I guess I heard some of the teams were a little hesitant about doing all this just because uh, in the OHL, there's actually three teams that are in the U.S. Erie, Pennsylvania, uh, Saginaw, and Flint out of Michigan. And, uh, you know, they've, I think, you know, we have the virus worse than Canada. So there's a little bit of, you know, carryover into, uh, you know, the northern extremes of the United States here. So I, I don't know. We'll see. I don't think Ford's going to be very uh, persuasive in his argument. I think he's just kind of waving the flag of, you know, you know, old school hockey, Eddie Shore, you know, and all these health ministers are going to be like, no, we can't do that. So just, you know, it, uh, let's see what happens, but. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting, but uh, moving on now, at least. Uh, so you got something for us. What did you plan? Well, one thing we need to talk about that we didn't, there was a big transaction today. Um, and that was the Islanders signing um, Pollock. And I guess I didn't get a chance really to investigate this too much, uh, but it's only going to leave like four million or under four million for the Islanders to sign. Barzell, yeah. And I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Now, I mean, they're running out of out of cap space. Yeah, it's like the Lightning. Where I mean, they're going to have to they have to make moves. And I I don't have it in front of me. I should have looked it up, but you know they have to be salary cap compliant pretty soon. So you know teams like Tampa and teams like. Uh, the Islanders, they got to make a move because those guys are going to want their money. They don't give a shit if the economy is in the shitter. They want their money. Right. Especially right. after a strong season, especially Barzell. He's on an ELC contract right now. and He was a kind of a playoff hero this well, past time. So. I mean, since we're on the, the COVID affecting hockey, I know this is on our list, down on the list, but we can move it up here, is talking about maybe like life, you know, outside the bubble, what they're going to do and so forth like that. So, you know, as you know, I'm season ticket holders here for our ECHL team here in Tulsa, and um, their plan for seating is a little interesting. So their season uh, 
their season opener is December 11th. So I received a notification, you know, I have a partial season ticket, you know, deal. And here's what they're proposed to do. So they're in the um, ECHL attendance is anywhere from like four to 6,000 people a game. So, you know, that's what you're looking at. So in most cases, if you have, you know, uh, a big arena like the BOK in Tulsa that holds, you know, know, 16,000 people, they're only going to use that lower bowl where most ECHL teams, they just have a lower bowl, you know, it's a small arena, but here's the plan for Tulsa is you won't have anybody sitting three seats on either side of you and no one will be in front of you or behind you is what I received in my latest communication with Tulsa. So that kind of eats up a lot of seats. Now, is this the way that the NHL may go if they start having home games is, you know, for every seat or two or three seats that they're going to block off you know, up to nine, 10 seats. It'll be interesting because it's, uh, that's going to eat up a lot of, you know, cash that they're not going to get. Oh, absolutely. It'll be interesting to see if, you know, other sports events will follow and do the same thing, especially the NHL, which, I mean, they're going to have to do eventually for next season. Cause I don't know if the NHL or any of these leagues and these teams can take that financial hit again. I mean, whether or not people like it, I know that there's a pandemic, but I mean, there will be no franchises if they go bankrupt. I mean, once they don't have money, they don't have money. There's no like, well, they're an NHL franchise. They won't go away. I mean, you can't live in a fantasy world. I mean, money's money. And teams like Arizona Coyotes, dude, they're – especially when they owe money and they got to pay all these fines. Dude, they're – I mean, it it leaves a lot of room. And it'll be interesting to see how this is going to play out here in Tulsa where, you know, they – I think they average around five – over 5,000 a game. So it's not that big of a deal for Tulsa, but the Boston garden, I mean, you know, for one or two tickets, you're going to block off, you know, 10 to 12 seats. Well, who cares? Boston garden added 150 extra seats and totally changed all the seats anyways. Right. So they should be fine. (laughs) Yeah. Well, anyway, that's kind of a story with that. So I have here as a little bit of old school hockey trivia. So, well, not really trivia, but interesting facts here since uh, this is a uh, downtime for the NHL this week. The top five craziest goalies. And uh, I saw this online somewhere and I'm going to paraphrase some of this, some interesting facts. So um, everybody could, you know, disagree with this, but this just goes along with, uh, again, that, you know, an article I read and it really caught my eye. So number five, Glenn Hall. So you may not know, he's one of the great uh, goaltenders and he actually holds the record for 502 consecutive games played. Wow. And that probably record will hold for a long time. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot. Well, anyway, what, and I mean, hockey hall of fame, this guy's just considered, you know, one of the great goalies. Used to vomit before every game. Yeah, he'd have to throw up. And if he didn't throw up, he didn't feel, I guess, that he was into the game. So he would puke before he'd go on the ice, grab a glass of orange juice, I guess, suck it down and go on the ice. That's pretty crazy that you gotta throw up. Goldies are weird as shit. Well, they'll they'll remain the weirdest. And 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 that's kind of the reason why I'm bringing up crazy goalies because. It is crazy. So, yeah, Glenn Hall used to throw up 
ev before every game and it worked for him i mean he was a great goalie won a lot so anyway next number four patrick Rua. you know bruins fans you know hate patrick Rua and his montreal days uh yeah, but oh, he's I had a great no idea you played for Montreal. Really? I had oh, no yeah. idea you played for Montreal. Yeah. And well, he's 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 a hothead, and uh, you know he used to do some some strange things. Uh, one time I saw him carry a puck from his zone over his blue line, deke an opposing player, and cross the red line which goalies can't do. So they blew the whistle. Yeah. He got all pissed off. Like what? It's like, what are you going to do guy? Come on. Right. Well, and he left the net wide open. So like, what, what was he going to do? I, run all the way back. If he wasn't going to score. Right. Look, props him for trying. But you know, so a couple, a couple things about him. So one time, I guess in Montreal, the story goes that it was either the owner or the GM or whom, whomever it was. Um, he was pissed off because he was getting a lot of crap from, this person management and got pissed off. And I guess at the end of the game or in the middle of the game or whatever, you know, went right up to the owner right there. Cause they were right behind a bench or whatever it was and said, uh, I played my last game for you. Screw you. And they traded him to Colorado where he went on to win a, a cup with them. And then he, you know, uh, went on to own a team and coach and everything else. But anyway, so he used to call his goalpost his best friends. And he would talk to them, the goalposts. And, you know, he would also, you know, just take on a fight. I mean, he fought when he was a player. He was a good fighter too. Oh, yeah. Um, and he fought as a coach. And supposedly one time when he was the owner of one of the Quebec teams, uh, uh, one of the junior teams, he got in a fight with uh, somebody after the game because they were blocking the bus or anything. So this guy's, you know, I mean, Rua is a known hothead, but again, crazy goalie. I don't think you'll ever see a goalie like that. That would just, I mean, he, he didn't even act like a goalie sometimes. Some of the crazy shit that he used to do on the ice. Yeah. I mean, seriously, because goalies are known to be more reserved, more just out of this world people, but Rua was a, uh, I don't even know if hothead is a, that's like an understatement. He's crazy. He is He's great goalie crazy. too. And not a bad coach either. <clears throat> Who do you coach? Uh, Colorado. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay. Number three, um, Ilya Brizgalov. And I think I pronounced his last name. We should just call him um, Briz was his nickname. He ended up being a goalie for Philadelphia and he was just playing crazy. He was just playing crazy. So, one night and he'd go on these rants with these reporters, sport reporters in the locker room. So they asked him after one game, why he didn't play well enough. And uh, he went on this rant about how he wanted the death penalty for killing tigers in China. <laughs> um, he used to call his dog a, a hut girl. I'm just telling you what he did. So he's just, just this crazy, crazy, crazy guy that would just say stupid stuff. Well, finally, the Flyers uh, bought out his seven-year contract just to get rid of him. He was just crazy. He was that. I mean, well, given what you told me, he seems that bad. But, he, man. Yeah, he's crazy. All right, number two, Ron Hextall. 
Yeah, Next all was crazy too. He was like Ruah. Yeah, it? well, he was a hothead. Yeah, yeah another Philadelphia goalie. And uh, I remember him score once. Bruin, some of the Bruin fans from the '80s will remember the game where he actually scored an open net goal for the first time. And it, you know, you kind of ha- you're kind of happy for the guy, but then you're pissed off because you're like, "Wow, Bruins suck really bad that the goalie just scored." But uh, that was when goalies were starting to turn that stick around and use it to uh, flip it out of the zone yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So it was only a matter of time. Well, anyway, Ron, Ron Hextall. So he, um, really bad temper. And you can YouTube if you haven't seen it. All these, you, know, you could get under his skin pretty quick. And it's kind of like the slap shot guy with Hallahan. You know, Reggie Dunlop says all these things about his wife to get him, you know, all riled up. You could do that with Ron Hextall. You could go him into a fight. He'd slash people. I mean, he was really kind of a, a dirty player, but a good goalie. Well, anyway, he holds the most penalty minutes for a goalie. And that just makes him crazy and dangerous. You got the number on you? I don't have the number, no. Yeah, I got to look that up. How much? How many penalty minutes can a goalie get in his career? That would be impressive. I don't know. but He used to get a lot of penalties for his slashing, you know, guys that are in front of his net. I mean, you know, I, I don't blame goalies not to get off on a tangent, but, you know, goalies need to clear their front of their net. And, you know, and, and this was all the way, uh, I, I think, before the uh, blue paint. So, you know, the guys are really coming up on the goalies. And I think in the NHL, you're starting to see more and more players encroaching on the goalie space or the goalies are coming right out to that blue paint and guys are you know i'm starting to notice that trend in the league i don't know if you have over the last like five years yeah um and that's kind of going to be a problem i mean you know you got to protect the goalies you got to protect the goalies all right number one gillies gratton ended up with the rangers so this is the guy that had the famous goalie mask right the old jason Voorhees hockey mask right from the 70s um, he was a cat man. So look it up if you haven't seen it. It's a famous mask, and it looks like a cat. Yeah, I don't think I've seen this. Really? I don't think I've seen it. Yeah. I'll so, have to look till the check, but it so, doesn't sound familiar. But here's the thing. So his mask was a cat, but he, the NHL team he played on had no cat as their mascot. It was just – he just wanted to do this. So, all right, well – Anyway, for really having one of the greatest masks, other than that, he claimed to remember past lives. He thought he believed in reincarnation, and he claimed to remember um, all the different things he did in his life before hockey. Goalies. So one time he refused to play, start in a game, because the moon was in the wrong place. Oh, my goodness. So he told the coach he's not playing. Are goalie coaches this fuck too in the head? Are they weird I, too? I, I, well, they, they're goalies. They should be like the goalie's therapists. <sighs> I'm sure there's a lot of that. So anyway, he wouldn't play Mooners in the wrong place. So uh, one time he claimed that he was a soldier in another life during the Spanish Inquisition. And during that time was stabbed with a sword in his abdomen. And that was the reason why he had abdomen problems sometimes when he played goalie. Because another life, you know, the Spanish Inquisition was a long freaking time ago. He could, hey, he could be right. So, anyway, uh, some of the teammates claimed that he said he never 
knew how to play the piano, but every time there was an open piano, he'd go over and start playing songs. And he'd claim he didn't, he didn't know where he, he learned that. I, it's what it, what it says. And then I don't know how this came about. It says after being hypnotized. So somewhere along the line, you know, they said, you got to get some help. And they all went to, uh, you know, the psychiatrist or whatever. And he was hypnotized. And he uh, believed that he was an executioner who used to stone people to death. And at practice that day, um, as the pucks came in on him, uh, he was terrified and he fleed off the ice. He flew off the ice thinking that they were, people were trying to stone him. Is this called schizophrenia? Isn't that the definition of this? I mean, this, sure I thought it was a great little article. Um, and, you know, Who's this guy's name again? Ghost Gratton. When did he play? You said the 80s and stuff? In the 70s, yeah. Man. That dude's weird. Is he still alive? Um, I don't know. I mean, he could be, unless something... I mean, a lot of guys from the 70s are still alive. You can make a documentary about him. Well, I'm sure I'm sure there, there has been. But anyway, yeah, goalies, crazy goalies. And, and I'm sure that only touches the surface, but... Um, I just thought that was interesting. And since we kind of have a little bit of a dead week here, as far as NHL news, that would be kind of interesting. But yeah, goalies are strange, strange people. Well, I don't have any like cool stories like that. Unfortunately, I, I can never compete with your hockey stories, especially the old school ones. But I did go on hockeyfights.com today, ah. which if you're not familiar with that, you can vote on fights and stuff. And that's pretty much where you can tell if somebody actually won the fight or how many fights they've been, all their career stuff. So I looked at the Boston Bruins, and I was like, you know what? I'm curious as to who are the top five fighters in a Bruins uniform as in, and how many times one player has fought in the Bruins uniform. And I okay. found that answer. So this isn't career fighting majors. This is career fighting majors as a Bruin. As a Bruin, okay. As a Bruin. All right. Number five. Actually, you know what? I'll start at number seven. Just because, okay. just because I, I like I like Stan Jonathan. Number seven is Stan Jonathan with sixty fights as a Bruin. Sixty fights. Yeah. Now, how, how big was Stan Jonathan? He was five he, nine. Yeah, he, he was not big, but he was just. I mean, he he reminds um, he reminds me a lot of. Uh, uh, oh come on, Ty Domi. Oh yeah. You know, small and just. You can beat this guy, and he's just going to keep coming at you. So, yeah, Native American. I forget what sort of Native tribe he belonged to up in Canada, but he was uh, kind of a – Tough as nails. He's yeah. a big guy, too. He was no And there was something guy. in the news. I, I don't want to talk too much about it because I don't know it, but now that you mention his name and and for the audience, uh, we come up with our, what, our topics, but we kind of talk about it five minutes before we go on on the podcast. So I didn't know he was talking about Stan Jonathan today, but yeah, something weird. Like in recently Stan Jonathan was like arrested for like attempted murder or something like that. And he got offers. I'll have to look it up, but so he probably beat up a couple guys trying to jump him in an alley. So when the Boston Bruins, I think it was in Danvers, Danvers, Massachusetts at the twin rinks where I used to play hockey as a kid, Bruins used to do scrimmages there or practices or whatever. Sometimes they'd be there. And one time Stan Jonathan was there and he was sitting, you know, in the stand, so to speak. And I don't know, he had a broken leg or a, I 
something was wrong with his leg. And uh, all of us wanted to go up to him and ask for his autograph. And everybody was scared to. And then one kid went up there and asked for his autograph and basically told the kid, you know, go screw off. So we didn't get his autograph. Wow. <laughs> Seems like a nice guy. I mean, you know, I'm sure he is at, you know, I'd love to get his autograph for my Bruins collection, but uh, I mean, you know, maybe he was just in a bad mood, but yeah, Stan Jonathan, great fighter. Well, fun fact, I have his autograph in my drum room right now. Stan Jonathan? Stan Jonathan's wow. autograph. Yep. It was only like 12 bucks. Somebody was selling it for real cheap on eBay and I hopped on it quick. Nice. Yeah. One of my favorites from back in the day, mostly because he's small. I'm 5'8". He's about 5'8". I like that. Number six. Mike Milbury, 64 fights in a Bruins uniform. I was not expecting Milbury. I didn't know he fought that much. He did. I don't know how many he won, but he was a he was a you know, he's he was a tough guy. I mean, a stay-at-home defenseman. John Cherry loved him, you know, used him a lot. And if I remember right, the story went, you know, he came out of like Colgate, you know, university or something like that. And and wasn't going to make the team, and Harry Sidney wanted to put him down, and Cherry said, "No, I, I, you know, I want him. He's going to play," and that caused a rift between him and Sinden, one of the many. And Milbury played, you know, his whole career in Boston, and he wasn't afraid, obviously, to mix it up. But he was not what you would call a technical fighter. Well, you got to do a lot of scraps as a brewer, and that's for sure. So now we're heading into the top five, where the real fun starts. Okay. So I think there's only one player I don't recognize in here. Okay. But I'm sure you'll you'll obviously know all of these, obviously. Number five, a guy who I always forget about, Lyndon Byers, 80 fights as a Bruin. Yeah, Lyndon Byers. So he was, you know, the stereotypical, you know, people would call him, you know, a goon, but I don't like that term. He was a good skater, but yeah, he would he could fight. And he I was about to say, did he win a lot though? He, he, yeah, he won a lot. Because I felt like when I watched Byers fights, I'm, I always ask you, was Byers a fighter? Because I always just feel, I don't know, maybe he wasn't that good. He wasn't that big, right? No, but he was, you know, he's strong. And, he, you know, I liked him as a fighter. And he still lives in the Boston area. He's got a Boston radio show every morning. Cool. I didn't know that yeah. at all, actually. Yeah. Uh, we had some guy follow our hockey podcast Twitter. His name is Lyndon Byers, but I don't think it's the real Lyndon Byers. Okay. Maybe not. But I, got no, excited. I, I was a big Lyndon Byers fan. Yeah, I like Byers as But it's well. tough. Oh, well, I, I was going to say there's another fighter there, but he's, you, he might be on your list. He I'll, might be. I'll well, shut up. this next one in the fourth place, I actually don't recognize. And if I, I if I recognize his name, I did not think he was a Bruin at all. Okay. Keith Crowder. 87, Crowder. 84 fights as a Bruin. Really? Fourth all time as a Bruin. I got a picture with Keith Crowder. Me and Uncle Bruce. From like back in the day when he was a player. Yeah, in okay. the uh, in the eighties. How did that happen? Um, nothing. It was just like a, I don't know, like a, you know, some event, and the Bruins players showed up. Oh, okay. And you could get like a Polaroid with them. They'd autograph it. So yeah, I, I got a picture with uh, with Al Peterson, who was a big, tall defenseman guy in the eighties. Keith Crowder and uh, Gordy Kluzak, who was another big defenseman, could have had a great career, but he got his knees really messed up early on and he could fight too. But anyway, Keith Crowder, I'm surprised he's on that list because he wasn't known to be a real fighter. Yeah. But you know, the eighties and the Bruins, you know, everybody had to scrap. Yeah. 84 fights is a Bruin. That's quite a bit. Wow. Jay Miller. 
That's who I was talking about. Number so, three, 87 fights as a broom. Yeah. So, you know, he was, you know, the lead guy after, you know, Terry O'Reilly got old and retired and, you know, then O'Reilly became coach and O'Reilly wanted that tough, you know, blue collar, you know, lunch pail gang, as you used to call the Bruins in the seventies under Don Cherry. And he wanted that for the Bruins team in the, in the late eighties. So he had Linda Byers, he had, um, you know, Miller, he had, uh, you know, Neely who could fight. I mean, there was a lot of Bruins that could scrap. Yeah. So, yeah, he was definitely, I think, one of the great Bruin fighters, Jay Miller. But I don't remember him. I've seen a lot. I feel like I've seen a lot of fights of him getting his ass kicked, though. I felt like Miller either killed the guy or he got handled. Well, it was around that time where Montreal had so many fighters, too. Uh, okay. You know, Shane Corson uh, was that guy that, that passed away. Unfortunately, he was on like Coke all the time. Can't re- I can't I can't remember his name. He's on Montreal. He was a tough guy. They they had a few. So it was, you know, Miller had to go up against everybody, you know. There's that great YouTube video. I remember we watched of him uh, with uh, Chris Nyland going after Chris Nyland. Oh yeah. When Chris Nyland punched everybody and started a little brawl. And, yeah. So it was it was it was a tough time. And then time. Chris Nyland became a, a Bruin later. Yeah, so that's, well that's Chris Nyland is a Boston boy. I mean, listen to him talk. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So he, you know, but when he was in Montreal, he he wanted to. That's how he made a name for himself. Good old that's Knuckles, why people are like Knuckles oh, Island. You could never have Pat Maroon on the Bruins or any of these yeah. guys that developed. It's like Chris and Nyland became went from a Canadian to a Bruin. Whether he's a Boston boy or not, he yeah. was an arch nemesis for the Bruins back. And he started a freaking not even a bench clearing brawl, a straight up like you know. But riot. yeah, but you know, I think you'll be hard pressed to find that in today's game only because. You know, he'd be suspended for weeks. Yeah. Well, that's why I like the guys like the Kachuk brothers. They don't, they really like to stir shit up and get everybody all fired up and going. Yeah. They're, they're trying to bring yeah, back But there's a difference school. between, like, you know, Marchant doing his shit and, you know, stirring the pot and being an agitator. Other than – and remember, the old Boston Garden used to have the, the opponent locker room you'd have to go straight off the Bruins' home bench. Right. Oh, well, that's why Nyland, and, that's right. when that shit and, and, you know, whoever and, thought of that was and, and not was, a Yeah, I was about to say, I was, I was watching that replay, you know, when, when you watch the video and you're like, why is Nyland walking down? It seems like the Boston dressing room. Yeah, it's not. It's like, of course he's going to start something. They're yeah. all talking shit to Nyland as he's walking by. And yeah. Nyland's yeah. more than a hothead. Yeah. Well, Jay Miller saw him at uh, Logan Airport about two or three years ago. When I was oh, coming, yeah, yeah, when I was coming home. How do you recognize home. him? Uh, he's Jay Miller. Does he still look the same? Kind of, yeah. He's just a little older, but I ain't sorry. Gonna, some of these little players, bro. I, I ain't gonna, gonna mess with him. No way. But yeah, he was. Uh, he, did we end up the same gate or the gate next to each other, or whatever? And he was on the phone and he was talking to one of his friends, so it was all blah blah blah, you know. And you know, I wasn't gonna go up to him because he definitely did not want to be disturbed, even if he wasn't talking to his friend. You could tell he was, you know. But I'm sure he's a nice guy. But yeah, I saw him in the air. I know it was him. I, I know it was him. You know, it would be pretty funny if, like, you would have sat, like, across from him or, like, two seats down from him and just nonchalantly started, like, watching Jay Miller fight videos and just have him play in the background. Like, Jay Miller squares off, and that would have been funny. If Jay Kordick. Miller- That's the Montreal player I was thinking of. Oh, the John one who died. Kordick. Kordick. Yeah. Him and, him and Millie used to go at a lot. Anyway, 
Number two. Number two. Add about 20 more, 25 more fights on. You ready for this? I don't think you're going to expect this one. Okay. Sean Thornton. I believe that. I mean, 102 yeah. fights as a Bruin. One of my favorite fighters. I mean, he was the policeman time. for years. He was more than that. He was a great fourth liner. For oh, he was. But I'm just saying, he was, you know, if there was a problem, he was there. He He'll was take there the penalty. To do it. He'll sit in the box for you. He was not a, he was. He was not afraid to rack up them penalty minutes. You remember 2011? You had Sean Thornton, Campbell, McQuaid, Boychuk, Chara in his prime, Lucic, Hort. I mean, Chris Kelly can go on. Everybody. Yeah, even tough. Campbell used to fight. And he lost all his fights usually. And he yeah. still at least fought. Yeah, they didn't, care. they didn't no, care. They didn't care at all. Okay. Number one. All right. My favorite Bruin of all time. Okay. One of your favorites, Terry, Tasmanian Devil O'Reilly. Yes. 150 fights as a Bruin. 150 fucking fights. That is crazy. Imagine that. Like, you can say, like, yeah, I'm pretty tough. I've been in a couple fights. And it's like, yeah, 150 to be exact. I mean, I believe he came up from the minors. And at the time, the minors, the minor league team was at the Garden. The old Garden. I think it was the Boston Braves. So they played in the same arena, I think. Some Bruins historians may want to comment on that if I'm right or wrong. I'm just going off the top of my head. But yeah, O'Reilly went up there and uh, supposedly, well, he couldn't skate. Even at his height, he really was not a good skater. You know, half of his goals was, you know, off of his, his you know, butt or, you know, carrying the puck into the goalie, into the net, you know hitting it in with his head. I mean, you name it, he, you know, and he scored goals too, but he was not a good skater. So supposedly the story went early on in his career practice. Bob, your um, used to back in the day, you know, how you got a hockey blade where you'd have two blades like this and they were called training blades for little children. So Bob, your got him a pair of training blades, skates one time. <laughs> And, you know, O'Reilly, you could see, you know, early on and, you know, the old skates weren't obviously anything like they are now. Um, but you could see Terry was ankle skating a lot. You know, I mean, not he was not a good skater, but he learned. But he was just willing to go crazy. And people people said he used to do like he was real quiet in person and he'd like read philosophy and he'd make like he'd make like. <laughs> He'd make, uh, he'd make um, uh, plastic uh, uh, windows. He'd, he'd do all sorts of crazy stuff. Stained glass windows, he'd make those. He was really kind of a crazy guy off the ice, quiet. But the minute you get on the ice, and supposedly when the old um, garden... Uh, organ player that's all they had they didn't have music back then it was just music from the organ and i think it was old john kiley the organist he would play one of the some irish tune forget what it was and it would just just get o'reilly fired up was the story so he'd play that and o'reilly would get all pumped up not that he needed pumping up i was about to say why, why do you want to pump o'reilly up yeah. And O'Reilly had, I mean, and this is a guy, this came from Don Cherry, a story that he, he said one game, I forget who the opponent was, and O'Reilly just hated this guy. 
and laid him out and knocked him out cold. Oh, right. Knocked him out cold? Yeah. And I think it was more of a check other than a, a punch, but I can't remember. I'd have to go back and try to find that interview. But anyway, Jerry says, I looked at Terry and Terry, you know, I felt bad because, you know, we don't want anybody to be hurt. You don't want to put him out of the career. This guy was out cold, had to take him off on a stretcher or whatever. He says, and I went down to Terry and I, I whispered in his ear and I said, Terry, you know, you know, don't worry. I think the guy's going to be okay. And he says, oh, why would that? He looked at me and goes, I don't fucking care if he dies or, or not. <laughs> Pure hatred. I mean, just, you know, but Pure probably hatred. off the ice, the guy, you know, was the nicest guy in the world. So. Um, but yeah, Terry O'Reilly, the Tasmanian devil, my favorite all-time Bruin player, lefty. Boy, he could he could throw lefts and rights, but he was a lefty. Yeah, that left hand is just so pretty to watch. And when you look at the the old fights from the 50s, 60s, 70s, even into the 80s, it was pure punch. There's not much strategy. It's just just start hitting the other person's face until one of them falls. Yeah, there's none of that jersey grabbing and position no. holding the arm. It was like, let's just, you know, they, they could grab the jersey and pull it over their head because they didn't have the strap back then. But, you know, there wasn't, there was some of that, but there wasn't a lot of that. They didn't, I don't, well, some might have done it on purpose, but it was mostly just pound, 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 pound. I mean, you've seen it. And I think it's missing today where today they're all, like you said, they're trying to get all held up and each other and, trying to think of this or haymakers. They were all haymakers back in the day. And it was just. And the guys are a lot bigger now, you know, you don't want to, you know, we, we say that, but when you look back and you look at some of these pictures and some video, they were pretty big back then too. Well, yeah. Cause I was just thinking about Bob Prober and I'm like, well, he was six, four, six, five, two twenty something. He was big guy, but you know, you hear all these stories about, these old school hockey guys drinking beer all the time. They didn't fucking work out. These fucking manly men are like, I ain't working out no more. No. Well, these guys are on a schedule, a routine, these kids. And they're just at the top physical performance. I mean, but the argument is Tom Wilson or Ryan Reeves, would they hang with guys like that back in the day? Could they be able to take all those punches? I think they, I think those two can. But yeah, probably you can make the argument just for those two, but it'd be interesting if those guys, you know, they probably couldn't hang. And you know, now today you've got, you know, you've got the visor. Oh yeah. And so every, everybody's, everybody's getting cut up. I mean, this is back when they didn't wear helmets, you know? Yeah. So it was a lot easier. Yeah. I mean, you can't be gentlemanly anymore and, you know, agree to take off your helmets beforehand. No, those were always the best. But you know, I'm surprised that if if you've got that list, I'd, 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 I'd be curious to see who else is on the list because you've got some old players on the Bruins like Wayne Cashman, who played for Bruins, I think his whole career, ended up being captain. And he used to fight a lot. I mean, he was on the Bruins a long time. All right. Well, I've already got it pulled up because it's right here. Okay. You baited me into it. I'll do it before. I'll do it before we leave. And here's what I'll say as well. The next show, I'm going to do player rivals who fought against the Bruins the most. Okay. So at Number eight, nine, and ten, starting at eight. Nevin, oh, the worst person. Marquardt. Marquardt. Yeah. Nevin's lost a every Marquardt. Mar- lost every fight he was in. I think I'm thinking of Marquardt. He was number Marquardt. 22. He was Marquardt. Mar- he was number terrible. 22 in the 80s. He I was, thought that was Byers, I think. 
Because no, I see Byers was thirty. No, Byers was thirty-four. He got 34. beat up all the time. Mark Marquat, he tried, but <laughs> fifty-nine he, fights, by the way. Yeah, but fifty-nine. I mean, it, I'm glad he used to take it for the team, but he was not a good fighter. But okay, number eight. Okay, that was number eight. Fifty-nine fights. Okay, Mark nine. Quad. Number nine, Adam McQuaid, fifty-five. As a that, that makes sense. And one of I, my favorite Bruins. Yeah, I, I I miss McQuaid. He is. Only guy that could hang with the, I mean, he got knocked out by Reeves as a Ranger, but he's the only guy that can hang with the Wilson Reeves, you know, just a guy who will fight anybody, big guy. And number 10, I always say, I say a lot of these players are my favorites. I don't give a fuck. Milan Lucic, Milan um, Lucic, yeah, 55 of course, fights. Of course. And of course 10. he'd probably be on higher on that list if he stayed with Boston. Oh yeah. Very true. But yeah. I'm surprised Cashman isn't on that list. Yeah. Used to, yeah. I, I think I can only see top 10. You can go on HockeyFights.com, view any team you want. I think you can do it even for maybe QMJ, HL, AHL, whatever, I think. Well, we should probably have a podcast in the future, and we'd have to do a little bit of research of, like, um, Bruin jerseys that should be retired. Oh, like the Winnie the Pooh jersey should never come back. I agree. No, I mean, like, numbers. Oh. Play, play, player numbers retired. I thought you meant retire an ugly jersey. Because there's, there's back. plenty. I think the Bruins, you know, could retire, and I think Wayne Cashman is one of them. He was number twelve, and yeah. somehow, some way, I, I think I could be wrong. I think he's had, he, he uh, doesn't like the Bruins organization very much, really? or had problems with them with Sinden. and uh, I think Cashman went on to be an assistant coach for a little while, and. I don't know what he's doing now. I mean, he's got to be an older gentleman now, but he's, uh, you know, he, uh, he's a pretty crazy guy. There's a story that, uh, again, Don Cherry talks about where there was either he berated Cashman in the locker room in front of the team after the game or something like that, or on the bench. And uh, after the game, he grabs his, car cherry with his wife and they're driving home and uh, cashman follows him and runs him off the road and they're on route one and they pulled over and cashman wants to go at it he wants to fight him <laughs> so they don't build them like that anymore no i mean can you imagine? i mean that's just you know crazy canadians because there wasn't many american players at that point in time but yeah we should do that you know some good bruins jerseys that should be retired and you can kind of guesstimate who's going to have that. Because if you notice, like no one ever was given 24 Terry O'Reilly's number after he retired, it just didn't happen. So it'd be interesting. We should go through a list and see, you know, what, what numbers aren't being used. And it might be because they might be retiring them, you know, so, you, you know, you used to do that. You got to figure the Bruins, like, you know, from number like two to, you know, 10 or something, you know, whatever, nine. I mean, they're already retired practically, you know what I mean? So, oh, yeah, for sure. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting today because everybody has a high number. Yeah. And do you remember uh, with one of those videos of uh, NHL trash talk? Oh, yeah, I love those videos. And, uh some little rookie guy trying to make it up from the minors was given, I forget who it was, pretty famous NHL player. Like, you want to go, you want to go. And his response was, what number are you? Like 58? 
Really? 58? No, I'm not going with you. You're not worth it. Yeah, that was Saverin and Matthews like two years ago. That's pretty bad. <laughs> or a year ago, last year, yeah. And so, now he's playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs AHL affiliate. He got signed by them. Really? So it's kind of a full circle kind of funny thing because Saverin and Matthews had a little going through the beginning of that preseason into the season. But I appreciate everybody. Come yep. and checking it out. We don't have too much to talk about, but this kind, is kind of a nice hang uh, episode here. Yeah, this is the old school hockey stuff that we like to talk about a lot of the time. So there's going to be some episodes where it's just a lot of news or it'll be stuff like this. So we're going to be getting guests on eventually. It won't yeah. just be us all the time. Well, yeah, we, we should try to here and and uh, we'll, we'll see what what happens. Maybe a player eventually. Yeah, uh, it'd be great. Or any minor league, NHL. Any, any, yeah. Anyways, thank you guys for hanging with night. us. Stay warm, and we'll see who wins the election. All right.